<sighs> right. Well, we're are we are we all recording? Is that is it sounding okay? Yeah, it's sounding pretty good. Cool. I think it's sounding great. <laughs> Everybody, all right. Ever the optimist. It's not optimism not if it's happening right now. I'm under. I'm under promising and over delivering. Yeah, okay. No, I think it sounds all right. I'm overselling and turning up. <laughs> I'm just happy to be out of the house. Yeah, well. <laughs> We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we are taking control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, a.k.a. Indie Kylie, and I'm one of the four <laughs> voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Nathan Harrison, a.k.a. Ooh, oh, I shit. thought we were all going to get one. Yeah, I thought that was fuck. the whole point of this. Yeah, God damn it. Joining me once again, Dance Kylie. Yes. Nathan Harrison. Of course, from your raver days. <laughs> earned. Well earned. Also dancing in the ring. Yeah, it's true. Footwork. It's important. <laughs> That's right. Catch his you, hands. Because you're a boxer now. I am a boxer. <laughs> yeah. In many also, ways, I've always been a boxer. But also, you but still, you still have that kid. It now. You still have that kid. You're still a father. He's going to be the next champ after me because my understanding of boxers is that they have to be like abusive in training their kids to also be boxers. Or, or at least be winners and successes in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jeez. If he doesn't win something, phew. Has he oh, won anything boy. yet? How old is he? Two? He's only one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, though, he's only one. Hey! <laughs> Sex Kylie, Andrew McDonald. Very happy. Thank you, David. It's very lovely of you to Sex say. Sex Kylie. Kylie. Those, uh, have you not seen the video? Have you not seen Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> and cute Kylie. Uh. Adam Buncher. I am cute. You're like the baby spice no, of Kylie. Yeah. yeah. I am very cute. There's there's no wrong answer for all four of them. All four Kylie's in that video are great. They are yeah. great Kylie's. Yeah. Kylie is what matters. We're all clever girls. We're <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we're doing it again. You're goddamn right we are. Yeah. Welcome to the Impossible Princess Kingdom. <sighs> I wish it was just an all Kylie episode, unfortunately. We have to talk about a few other people. <laughs> Starting. It's a reward at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We've got to eat our peas before we get ice cream. Mm. Got to put up with a bit of rain to, to get the rainbow. But yeah, speaking of peas, um, I don't know, gross, mushy. Uh, this is Brain Bug, uh, number 85. And this song is called Nightmare. At number 85 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That was a song called Nightmare. 
and we're going to cross now to Nightmare Harrison. Hey. Is that my? That could be. No, maybe that's my box. You don't need another brand. Look, I'm just. I'm <laughs> he hungry can have for as brands. Many brands as he goddamn wants. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. All right. Thank you for having my back there, Deej. Anytime, babe. Thanks. Uh, so this this is a track by uh, Italian symphonic electronic trance music record producer and guitarist, according to that Wikipedia. Literally, yeah, that yeah, literally yeah. sounds like a like a genre someone would make up, yeah. like to piss people off. Absolutely, um, Alberto Bertapelli, and this is far and away the only like significant mainstream success he had as a musician. This was in Human Traffic and in Night at the Roxbury. Yep. And a few other movies and stuff like that. No. Freddy versus Jason, which is very Sorry. on brand <laughs> for this song. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh. This is so weird that this is in this countdown. It I don't is know. Very, it's so very high up. Maybe this is just this is the first kind of weird song that we've had this countdown so far. Like, you know, obviously we've had our Mathars and many other strange instrumental tracks that yeah. you're like, how did this possibly get, you know, radio recognition and people were into that? But um, it's heaps sick that it did. Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of heaps sick that it did. Yeah. This is like, this is super cool. It's quite simple. I'm surprised that it's as simple as it is, but I think it works really well. Just those strings and then that like keyboard rip, like... And then it goes into that vaporwave country for a little yeah. while. It's like becomes like hold music. Yeah. For like the 80s. Kind of cool. It is I'm cool. I'm into that. And you watch the video clip as well, and it's like a lot of black and white horror movie style shots yeah. or whatever. And with the strings, it very much fits that kind of horror movie aesthetic or whatever. And um, I think that's a cool thing to bring into trance. Like, yeah. You know, like, I think trance does this really, or electronic music in general does this really interesting thing sometimes where it borrows aesthetics from other places and it kind of melds them into this still the aesthetic which is kind of you know running throughout of uh of electronic music like there's something about electronic music that gives you you know the certain associations images feelings and whatever but at the same time it can chameleonize itself to adopting a bunch of other kind of palettes um and i think using like horror films or nightmare or even like even like the kitschy kind of side of that as well and and playing with that aesthetic for the song is really kind of cool i bet there are so many people in berlin who are just massively triggered by this song it's like oh god yeah <laughs> having a fine night and then this song played and then oh god <laughs> oh, I, I can't hear this anymore like this sounds like it's a remix of something like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally it, it's like yeah. you know, like a semi novelty remix yeah. of of a movie theme or yeah, something or, or, yeah. Or, 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 or a movie like them or something like that, one of those like classic cheesy B grade horror yeah. films. This was I'd never ho- not heard this before, and I just thought this is so fucking cool. Like it is Euro dance music. It's just a Euro dance music that should be in an Ed Wood movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Because also totally. the other Euro dance music that we've had in this countdown so far is Daft Punk. <laughs> yeah, like and this is just <laughs> so far removed from that. Yeah. yeah, it's just remarkable that it's here. And like I, I hate lamenting like being that, like the state of the Hot 100 and whatever because like. It's exciting every year and I really look forward to it and I love voting and I love and like hearing the countdown as it goes on. But God damn it, I miss the notion of a reality where this could be in the Horus 100. <laughs> this like instrumental yeah. weirdness could never be in the countdown now. And that sucks. And like this, this just feels like an outlier. And we're going to see fewer and fewer of them as we go forward mm. to the present. Definitely that. But also, like, I think, again, we always come back to the same point. It's like, it's weird on one hand, but on the other hand, it makes complete sense. Because yeah. it's catchy as a motherfucker. It's just it's just there. Yeah, it's like, a good song. You get like, down mm. to it. It's got so much character that you kind of, like, into it from that point of view as well. It didn't really click with me, to be honest. It was one of those songs, like, within a minute, I was just like, okay, I get it. You know, and then it just fucking keeps going. Oh, oh, this is the whole thing. Like, it's not going to suddenly dive into anything else. 
this is my life for the next few minutes. It's just going to be this. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> it was fine. It's catchy and, you know, I guess it's kind of unique in, in its use of uh, strings and stuff like that. But you know when you have, like, a really good idea and you can't follow through on anything else? Like, wow, you've got fucking orchestra bits over dance bits. What else? <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah, yeah I, I like, think that's enough. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really want anything more. This did get a remix treatment. Um, it did get remixed. Is that right? Yeah. Can as you imagine a world where this doesn't get remix heaps, like updated, really, like because it sounds it sounds very kind of mid nineties or whatever, and even then, like playing up with an aesthetic that's arguably older than that as well. But then, yeah. like the Ministry of Sound crew kind of got to it in the early two thousand, whatever. Ministry of Sound was really big, and it was on one of their compilations, and it's called like the Sinister Strings, the Sinister Strings remix, hmm. and nice. it's just a little bit more kind of sharper it's like this song in hd really um and and for you know like the ministry of sound crowd and playing with that kind of sentimentality i guess we always like discussing other places where songs have shown up especially when they're not in media such as films or uh tv shows or things like that such as be a terrible roller coaster song it was not are you kidding i I, like a spooky coaster i don't think it's loud enough i think once once the car was moving, you wouldn't really hear anything. <laughs> there are many people in Berlin who are triggered yeah. by this song who would say, no, no, the, I could imagine a nightmarish okay. ride to this. Okay. I had a nightmarish ride to this. It was the train coming home from the club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scariest right. roller coaster of my life. Spooky. <laughs> so spook. Uh, no, uh, it was used as the second half kickoff for the Leeds United home games. Wow. Yeah. Bold move, Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And also, uh, the Nottingham Panthers ice hockey team. I Nottingham Panthers? Ice hockey? Man. Ice hockey? I, I guess the beat, like, kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's no you'll never walk alone when it comes <laughs> to football <laughs> chance. So. But I, I think ice hockey, like, playing with the, um, you know, the, the Freddy versus Jason, one of them was a hockey player, weren't they? True. This guy, Mr. Uh, Alberto Bertella. Brainbug. Mr. When- Brainbug. Mr. Brainbug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Brainbug himself. Please, Mr. Bug was my father. <laughs> um, in the news uh, just last year because he died on stage. Yeah. Holy yeah, fascinating. fuck, what? Yeah. Legitimately was playing uh, guitar, I don't know for what band or whatever, um, or for which particular concert, but um, only 57 years of age, and he died of a heart attack while on stage. Holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah, Brainbug, nightmare. I'm glad it's there. I'm really glad, I'm really it's, glad there. it's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's fun. Just when you thought it was safe, the housewife's choice has made his triumphant return. At number 84, it's Adam Bunch's favourite person in the world, Dave Grady and his coral snakes with feeling kinda spotty. A black speechman seven and three. Fate in a pleasant mood Playing on the deck Standing on a street corner Waiting for no one Feeling kinda sporty David Graney and his coral snakes. 
And that's David Graney as well, <laughs> Thank yeah. You, it, yeah, Dave Graney is short for David Granular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Mr. Granul was my father. <laughs> David Granular. It's canon. <laughs> that is feeling kind of sporty, and it comes in at number 84 in the 1997 Hottest 100. Oh, my goodness. If there was ever someone that we thought was one and done and has just continually come back. <laughs> It'd either be The Cure or... <laughs> yeah, we're still going to Or Rebecca's talking. Empire. Or Rebecca's Empire or D. Grady. Like, there's a, there's a couple where we're just like, oh, well, obviously we're never going to talk about them again, and we've probably talked about them twice as much as we ever thought we were going to. And that we've done it more than once. We didn't. We didn't get to talk about uh, the malignant grain last season. Alas, yes. Seasons we, twice in season one, then in season two <laughs> and three. But uh, it's it's been more than a you know it's been a, like a, a full year since yeah. we had to go for a checkup. Right. That makes that. <laughs> which is why I kind of came to the song. It's like, oh, he's back. Okay. Uh, it's like seeing an old friend, but instead of friend, Hello, not back. David. Yeah, you're rocking up at a party and just being like, I hope, you know, like, you don't you even hope that the person wouldn't be there because why would you expect them to be? Mm. But they are. But, you know, like, I remember the last time we talked during the um, the, the famous Invisible Man, Invisible Rockstar song. I can't rock remember the and exact roll name. is where I hide. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had a g- bit of a genius epiphany to that one, Nathan. You were just kind of like. I was kind of into it. Yeah. You, yeah you, I you, loved you, it. You I saw got, something. I got wallowed by it. Wallowed. Wallowed. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. Uh, well, no, like, I Come don't on. even. Cause, but I don't even know, man. Like, I, I obviously hate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was a bit sneaky. It was a bit sneaky. Like I, I for a little while, I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is maybe this is just simply middle of the road." But then you pay attention to the details, <laughs> like the way he's he does the spoken word of feeling kind of sporty, and I'm like, "No, this is bad. I hate this. This is this is intolerable. This isn't tolerable." Do you think? Yeah. If you didn't know it was him, still would be bad. Mm. Still would be quite bad. Okay. Because I now I know that like I. It's from your last kind of talk about him, I you saw that he was doing something kind of clever with his aesthetic and whatever, and, and being kind of self aware. And like, I recognize that. I just can't connect to whatever level of irony that he's operating on, or whatever level of of self referential kind of send up that he's doing. Like, whatever it is, I I can't connect to it on that level. Like, and I'm sure it's there. And there are very very intelligent people who have great taste who love Dave Graney and ah, especially with that, especially <laughs> because of his Hello. performance. Right? Especially because, like, he performs in a certain way and because of of what he gets across. But I just can't get it. And all I see is the face level bad. And it's bad. Look, when you said you can't connect to the level irony is operating on, I think that's a really cogent part of my criticism of David Granular. Um, But... (laughs) David. Granola. (laughs) David Granular. But this... I'm sorry. I like this. Uh, <laughs> why? Why? No, let's 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 take this yeah. apart. Like you're now, it, like, you're now a case study. Because like I, di- I didn't know on what level he was operating on either. But then there's that part. I think it's the start of the second chorus. He asks for a quill and a cane. Like he says, hand me my quill and my like, cane, something like that. And it's like he embraces that idea of like it's steeped in the level of cheesy irony when you feel like you actually look like a cool person, like when you, like you've gotten a, yeah, a, new, a new haircut okay. or like a shave, you're getting a straight edge shave or something like that, or you have a new shirt or pair of pants or shoes that you think you look cool. You think like you look like a cool person, but acknowledging or having that realization is the least cool thing in the entire world. Like if you say, um, I look pretty cool, that's the dorkiest thing in the entire world. And he's leaning into yeah. that feeling really, really well, I think. And As like, a cop, right? Because isn't this song... 
Have I just, like, I, just, I was trying to find the lyrics and uh, I didn't write them all down or whatever. That was about a car. Yeah, I thought it was like a cop on the side of the road. Oh, I thought oh. it was just a dude hanging out. I maybe have completely. <laughs> if, if it's about a cop, I have to reevaluate my love of it. No, but like making fun of the cop, <laughs> yeah. thinking that he's like, I'm, right, okay. I'm this, you know, you know. Um, maybe I, I might be way off about that, so that's fine. Um, and I'm not sure if um, Nathan will be with me here, but I think that the spoken word with the muffled like effect on the voice when he does the feeling kind of sporty it sounds a little bit <laughs> like does. your friends and mine in tism yeah yeah <laughs> this isn't a brilliant song but i enjoyed listening to it like, like it was far and away the most i've enjoyed hearing a david track so far gone <laughs> <laughs> fucking way off the rails for his name <laughs> it would be incredible if the arc of this podcast of this entire podcast is us all slowly becoming Dave Granny fans <laughs> And there, I'm well, no, you know, Dave just ends up. up being like, what I tell you? Or something, I don't know. And then the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> Two's feeling kind of sporty, played over them. Hell yeah, baby. You know, to the first song we talked about, whatever that was. Uh, you're just too hip, baby. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. You can see why I was... Now I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Here's the energy. There it is. Oh, God damn it, Granny. This isn't uh, peak grain for my money, but uh, it certainly grains. It... it- <laughs> It does what it does, you know? Like, we're on uh, the grain train. Yeah, we're on the grain train. It's it's moving along nice and steady. It's fun. It's it's silly. Like, it, it's inexplicably high. Like, I, I didn't expect it to get in. Like, it He's doesn't... always inexplicably high. <laughs> 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 huh? No, huh? not even. Like, just his... Jazz cigarette. <laughs> Johnny Cash. Uh, <laughs> smoking Johnny Cash. Smoking Johnny Cash. Oh, I reckon he definitely toured with the Black Eyed Susans at one point or another. That's, that seems like something that would have gone down somewhere. Like, I don't know, the toad or some shit. Uh, sorry, did you just say the toad? The toad, you dumb fuck. <laughs> well, I'm going to segue on from the toad because this is amazing. <laughs> is that a thing you said? No, I'm going to jump on anyway. Well, speaking of it, which you didn't. <laughs> speaking but... of neighbours. Um... Uh-huh. Speaking of neighbours. I'm going to read this verbatim as I found it because the phrasing is too pure. All right. Okay. The single was promoted with an appearance on the daytime soap Neighbours, in which Dave sent up his sinister lounge core persona in a pastel blue suit and a fedora. In one memorable scene, holding the character Toadfish upside down and shaking him for the return of his mobile phone. It is unknown what, if any impact, this had on the sales of the record. <laughs> So he, he made it fucking amazing. So he made an in-character appearance on the TV show where he bullied to bully Tony. Tony. <laughs> and it is unknown what impact this had on the sale of the record. Man, that is tight. I like if if more bands I love went on Neighbours to bully Tony, <laughs> that's the world I want to live in. And this is so in my fucking wheelhouse yeah. as well because I fucking love Neighbours. Were you so. aware of that moment as a Neighbours fan? No, no, that's well before my time. Like I would have been like. A kid when that happened. Oh, so would have Toady. That's why he was oh, able to hold him upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bullying a but child. I guess people had mobile phones in 97. Surely. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would have been, been brickies. Like, yeah, big yeah. old fuck off ones. It might have been a cool thing that he had a mobile phone. Yeah. That's why he was like... That's why he wants it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm... He's, he's, he thinks, it's not a cool thing. If you lost your mobile phone, you wouldn't want it back. Yeah, fully. Yeah, he's just like, oh, it's buy another well, one. everyone has one, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, also in 97, uh, The Grain released his first book. Cause, uh, of course he did. Uh, it's called It Is Written, Baby. <laughs> it's, it's just a collection of his lyrics interspersed with fragments of journalism, memoir, and opinion. So it sounds terrible. Just thinking about writing a memoir. Memoirs. Everybody needs <laughs> good memoirs. Oh boy, at number 83. 
This is a band who chose for themselves the name Lard, and they chose for themselves a song title, I Want to Be a Drug-Sniffing Dog. Number 83 in the 1997 Hottest 100 with I Want to Be a Drug Sniffing Dog. What do you got? I never thought we would get to talk about Lard. Right? That's a surprise, yeah. Um, okay, so you actually know this band? I have all of their albums. Whoa, yeah. okay. Yeah. Lard, Interesting. Lard is a Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys um, ah. after the Dead Kennedys broke up in the mid-80s. Um, and he didn't started doing a bunch of collaborations with various punk bands and doing some spoken word things. And Lard is Jello from the Dead Kennedys and the instrumentation team from Ministry, notably Al Jurgensen. I the, fucking oh my god! Yeah, they were never like a proper band in like a real sense. Jello would write songs, send them to Al, who would make them into these massive industrial numbers, and then send them back to Jello, who then mixed them down a little bit. Between 1989 and 2000, they released two albums and two EPs. They haven't really done anything. They only played live like a handful of times just as promotional things for Jello's label. This is from the second record they released. The album is called... Pure Chewing Pure Satisfaction. Chatis- yeah, Pure Chewing Satisfaction. Um, and the, other, for the first record was called The Last Temptation of Reed. Uh, but it's, it's this silly, irreverent band. I, I, I never thought we'd get to speak about them. Like, but this song, it's the least punk in terms of sound that Jello did, apart from that one country record he did, he's like this shows his, I guess, affinity mainly just his friendship with the blokes in ministry more than anything. But like this is a perfect encapsulation of I guess the majority of their sound. They have other songs that are much slower and other songs that are more bombastic and some that are more punk sounding and so on. But this is a very archetypal lard song. Jello's lyrics have always been a mix of like societal commentary with like unquestionable satire. There's that kind of satire problem mm. um malcolm gladwell called it the loads of money problem where um you get people who are, are being satirized identifying with the, the object to enough that it starts not being satirical to certain audience members this jello never has that problem it's very on it's obvious who he's yeah. making fun of when he's writing music for the dead kennedys who cards on the table they're if not my all-time favorite one of my all-time favorite punk rock bands ever i think they're pretty singularly perfect mm. and i respect jello an incredible amount i've seen him live a few, numerous times now whenever he comes out but you can't get away with a line like him saying i want to be a san francisco cop so i can speed and run red lights like that's a kind of shitty line but it works in like if you believe it with like non-blinking conviction like it's just like the anger which he delivers yeah like it's, it's his delivery as well yeah. and like the music too like it's more punchy and punk sounding than a lot of like what you'd think of ministries kind of it's not as dirgy and metallic um it's yeah. more like high energy you could, you could, you could conceivably like, see this being played by a band kind of, yeah. yeah rather than just being programmed 
it's only like three minutes 20 long to me it sounds much shorter than that it's just so mean there's absolutely no fat left on this at all it's been it's just pared down to the essentials of this fierce as fuck thrashy punk industrial song yeah like I love lard an awful lot I never thought we'd talk about lard and I'm like, <laughs> like fucking hell I can't believe I get to talk about Jello Biafra on Hot 100 yeah yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Like, good job anyone who voted for this. Yeah. But like, but this is especially as far as Lard goes. This is this is a pretty tight single. It's accessible. And like, like it's, it's, yeah, it's three it's, minutes long. It's super it's good, quick. It's tight. It's, it's fun. It's got, like it's got humor that I attract the audience would appreciate. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to be a customs man and snoop through your stuff because I can sneaky peeky pry through your private lives, stroke your panties, jack off at lunch. Yeah. Like, that's just like wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh huh. It's perfect triple J audience. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, in high school, you and I spending quite a while trying to find lard records and yeah. CDs. Like, yeah. and I remember, get, I remember specifically getting them imported through record stores because I wanted them so badly. Uh, not that I can't see the forest of the trees. I don't think lard are a perfect band, but like, and like some of their songs kind of miss the mark. But like, I think they're really exciting and really funny. Just like they're meant to be. It's fun, energetic music. I, I, it's just fucking delightful to see industrial music taken to this kind of area because like, mm. industrial music is so often not somber but like it's dry like so much industrial music even like the best industrial bands like it's like directed like this is the point of this it's serious music and it's hard and it's metal and mm. it's so good seeing like no it's actually it's fun have fun with it jump around it's meant to be silly and energetic as well and i'm fucking stoked yeah well my favorite part of it is the the whoa woes you know uh coral the chant. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the coral The gang parts. vox. The gang vox. Right for it. Um, and I think they, that comes across really well here. That's the part that gets me on side the most. Because, I mean, it gives you something to do with that energy. Otherwise, the energy, I think it's just like, it's really assaulting. Mm. Um, it's, 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 it comes, it's like a valve, right? Like, like an exhaust valve, right? It like lets a, me in a little because otherwise I kind of just feel a bit assailed, both from the, the just the intensity of the instrumentation, but also just his voice in general. Mm. As amazing as it is, especially when he like performs a little bit of vocal gymnastics as he does, it's confronting, which it needs to be, which I think is wonderful. But um, It starts with the assault, right? It's like, it, it, yeah, it, it, doesn't, right. it doesn't give you a lead in. That's right. David, very curious. Yeah, well, I obviously had no context. I was just like, it kind of sounds familiar, but I obviously had didn't click in my head that it was Jello Biafra until did, you did, mentioned it. Did you um? Did you think like that sounds like a fucking ministry? It band. does. Yeah, it totally sounded like ministry, and I don't like ministry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> So, is this more palatable to you? I'm just, I'm really curious. Not quite. Like it didn't really, didn't really sit with me to be honest. Like I guess because going into it, like not thinking it was an ironic song, like being one of those things. Like oh, oh, okay, it's gonna be one of those like shitty, lame, like cops and drugs and shit. You know, like. <laughs> but there actually was something more to this. So now I feel like a bit of a fool. But this is really interesting because when I first started listening to it, I actually thought like, oh right, it's a parody of like a thrash metal song that's um, you know in form but in style. It's again doing exactly what you were saying, uh, Deej, like yeah, d- dealing with the kind of the drug thing. Until I kind of realised that it was Jello, and then I went, oh, it's punk. And it was weird how much just that, like, bracketing it within that genre or that mindset even yeah. changed the entire song for me. You know, and I go like, oh, right, it's a political statement that, about that, the that, war on drugs. That really raises questions about, like... Doesn't it? About the idea of um, informed consuming. Like, 
how much should a piece of art and how much should a song as being a piece of art stand on its own outside of context? And if it can't do that, then does that devalue the work? When I go to uh, galleries or museums, yeah. I um, yeah, take a bit of uh, podcasting borrowing here. I'm sure he's listening. Roman Mars from 99 <laughs> Invisible. Hit or us what, back. Hit us back. He, <laughs> Romy, his slogan, he said, is always read the plaque. And I, whenever I go yeah. to any gallery or museum, I always read everything when I'm, of art that I'm consuming. And there are certain things like it's it's a classic example of um philistines criticizing like conceptual or modern art you can tell where fucking my thoughts lie um <laughs> and like then when people say like like oh anybody could have painted that my kid could have painted that or like you didn't or like that great piece of artwork that's just a slashed canvas um yes that has a statement that comes along with it and the statement is really important in consuming the media so like yeah this is different because, like, the statement that comes along with this song is knowing about the band. Yeah. And, like, and knowing, knowing about punk and knowing yeah. about the punk ethos and, yeah. and what it's trying to do. But I also think, like, for, it goes in even more personally than that. And we come across this talking about this podcast all the time where, like, it, the context could simply be I learned about this at a certain time in my life when I'd mm. already listened to these particular bands. Therefore, the context is simply what you know in terms of, like, your music taste at that particular point in time. Yeah, it's, it's like um, when you listen to, like, a contemporary band and you think they're doing something really, really revolutionary and then they themselves are like, yeah. no, man, we love the Velvet Underground. We just did yeah, the same yeah, yeah. we, yeah, yeah. we redid. <laughs> like, yeah. damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously, I do know the context of this song, you know, even before I come to it because I, I, I you know, I went to Lard originally because it's like, oh, the, the Dead Kennedy singer did more stuff. That's great. Yeah. But I think I, I kind of take issue with the idea that this song's meaning isn't clear on its own. Like, I think just lyrically, it's pretty straight up. I want to be in these positions of authority because that lets you do whatever you want. Exploitative, and, yeah. Yeah, and like, and cops and customs people and Christians and anyone like that, that wears a mask of authority. Like the last line is, it's the life, it's the stink, choose your masks. Saying these masks let us let people do whatever they want mm. because there are structures of authority that are just set up to exploit. I think perhaps we're talking about the most basic of face level values, then being like the se- the the initial sound, the first line, and the title of the song. Sure, I think you know what I mean. Like it sometimes that's all it takes to kind of form an opinion that then colors the rest of the song. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's not the best example to to deal with this discussion, but it's a really interesting mm. discussion in that. Deej and I were ready to to go after it in this in this certain way, yeah. And then it just in a small amount of recontextualization, it turned on a dime, mm. um, which I think happens in songs sometimes. And it's it's, true. it's interesting to explore. And I think if nothing else, it's interesting to just be aware of, yeah. Because you know, it'd be like if we found out that Beaver Loop was like John Saffron's ironic band, and like <laughs> it was it was a bit, huh? Yeah. Wow. And it, I don't know whether I want to follow that feeling. I know. Right? I don't know whether I want to go there, man. It's, oh. Close the beaver loop. This is how they get you. This is how they get you. Also, John Safran, please come on our podcast. At number 82, it's Primus. This is Shake Hands.
Venice at number 82 in the 1997 Hottest 100 with a song called Shake Hands with Beef. 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 Adam, you've you've shaken hands in in the past. You've, you've yeah. eaten beef. I have. You've, yeah. You've you've jacked your little dicky. <laughs> Does it is it mean jerking it this song? Is that what it's about? Is it is it shaking hands? Mm. With the governor of love? Governor is of it love? cavorting yeah. with Madame Palm and her five <laughs> lovely daughters? <laughs> it's gotta be. Is it is it playing a, a solo on the one stringed bass? <laughs> <laughs> Les would appreciate that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Song. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Primus, you're a bit gross, aren't you? Like <laughs> They're a grotty band. They, yeah. they are a bit they're Grotty a, is the word. They it sound like it. Yeah, it sound, my ears feel grotty. Right, so like the album's called the Brown Album. This song yeah. is a brown song. Oh yeah, it's just a big old it's, pile of brown. Yeah, it's muddy. It's it's thick no. and sludgy. So you you mentioned mud. Primus actually had a problem with that particular material uh, because oh, they have they their have name a, is mud. Yeah, they have a song called uh, My Name Is Mud, and they were playing at a festival. The like playing that song for the first time, and then everyone started pelting it with mud. And the, I love the way he responded. Is like, well, yeah, I, I guess I opened up. A real can of worms with that, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> quite just, literally. I'll just politely say, "Don't do that." Like, <laughs> which is which is a long lineage of like people throwing context-specific things at. Yeah, bands. people throwing like, Mentos at the Foo Fighters. People throwing bread at Smash Mouth. <laughs> mm, <laughs> that's uh, amazing. The, the shoes at Everclear. Shoes at The tastiest <laughs> one of all is white bread at Smash Mouth. Mm. <laughs> I had to interrupt the concert to be able to stop chucking white bread at them. <laughs> and then one that I personally witnessed. I was at the big day out. Lisa Mitchell. Lisa had the Mitchell. Song, Coin laundry. laundry. The chorus of which is, do you have a dollar? Do you have a dollar? And she's just like, guys, I'm serious. It's metal. <laughs> it'll fucking hurt it me. Yeah. It's like the tism. A, of course it's like just tism. Tism. Yeah. Okay, yeah. At the end of the, the um, Save Our Tism, Save Our tism concert, which is on the White Album DVD, yeah. um, they're raising money to keep tism going. And at the end, they say they're $1 short. And there's a, a spokesperson reading for it. Like, oh, we're $1 short. And then so the crowd Tism are going to disband. And people just pelt him with money. Yeah. <laughs> like, and... He and, keeps it together and for, really for Lisa, well. it's like, don't, it hurts. This is meant to hurt. Like, people oh are like... Oh, my God, that's fucked But up. he takes it really well. He, he makes it through his spiel. He does. When he's getting beamed by metal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost moved into a share house with Lisa Mitchell. Is that right? At one point, when I was first moving up to Sydney, they were like, oh, you know, there's a place in, I think, Bondi. Or whatever. It's like, yeah, Lisa Mitchell lives there. You'd be living with Lisa Mitchell. And wow. I'm just like, they didn't. They didn't end up coming about. But it, there was on. The, it was like a possibility for my <laughs> life at one point. You know, could have gone to the doors. coin laundry together and been like, eh? and <laughs> she'd be like, shut up, Adam. <laughs> I'm sure she would have had her own washing machine. <laughs> so Primus, man, like this is a band that is known for the bass and it delivers on the bass. Like mm. that is a that is some loose ass bass. Yeah. It doesn't really do a lot, does it, this song? It kind of does the thing, and then it does the thing some more. And then that's kind of it. Like, I love the way that just the like the, the rhythm itself is punctuated by the movement of the string and the sa- the, the different tension of a string just playing the, the melody on the bass. Like, that's kind of incredible yeah, like, he, he, for it to he, be used in such a rhythmic way. He plays the bass like it's a guitar here. Like, the, like the rhythm section is all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's fascinating. That's yeah. it. It's all rhythm. Yeah. It's just all brown town. Yeah. Like, it's just deep, low-end kind of just that. I don't know where I stand on where it goes or where it doesn't go. A part of me kind of, like, when I was first listening to the song, went, like, oh, just this again? Like, this this is a one-minute song that stretched out way too long. But now I kind of think that's the thing. Yeah. I think it's the thing that it does so little and it keeps doing it. And that's kind of funny. So... But I wish it was two and a half minutes. 
No, I think it's kind of funny that it's so long. <laughs> just listening to it then, and we were like skipping through it and kind of finding different parts, and they were all the same part. It's like yeah. that's that's kind of good. I I, I, <laughs> I think I kind of like this. <laughs> I just, like, I remember I remember like you know coming across high, uh, Primus in high school or whatever, and like you know learning about them. Like oh my god, uh, this is very funny. Like uh, yeah, I just I just don't find it funny anymore. Well, I never came across them in high school, so I'm discovering them for the first time. Yeah. I'm sure. Like Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, you never listen to Primus. Nope. Have you seen the show South Park? I, I know that they did the theme for South Park, and I know that we've also talked about uh, we're known as Big Brown Beaver. Yes, we have. Yeah. Brown. 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 I feel like I just don't have time for them anymore. Yeah. But like, I also get that you know maybe ninety seven. This comes on the radio every now and then. You're like, that's pretty funny. Oh no, I, I'd have no like, time for this on the radio. I don't know. <laughs> like that's that's the wrong context for this song. That's just weird. They're a fucking weird band. Like, yeah. you get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, like, this, I know, the Brown album was, I know that's kind of like one of the albums where they, they kind of ex- started exploring more, like, progressive rock and, like, jazz rock. Like, because now Les Claypool plays in numerous bands, some of which are, like, straight up prog rock. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. This is probably, like, the most traditional funk metal song on the record. This is not going to win over any non Primus converts, obviously. But, like, I quite dig this. Like, it's, I think it is too long, but, like, I think just, like, the way that Les treats bass is fascinating and it's in yeah, such display fully. here like they're like even if you don't like this song you've got to buy the fact that this bass work is fucking ridiculous yeah. like and i think like like i said before like the whole three of them are the rhythm section like the, like, the guitar's riff punctures like are synchronized to the the drum beat like like in the same way that bass and bass drum are usually like the like are, are driven together but mm. the guitar does it here yeah it's a really interesting way that like like it makes the power trail dynamics sound completely different for like just for that purpose um but again it's Quite monotonous for a four minute song. Yeah. <laughs> like it's five minutes. Is it seriously? Yeah. Brutal. It's real that's it's like really long. Five fourteen. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 a that's long ridiculously long. Which yeah. is great. I like I'm still saying that's great. This is the, like, I don't think this is like an amazing song, but it's, it's, I think it's a worthwhile like exploration. <laughs> that's more a base exploration. It's just base Odyssey. Base Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. It feels not amazing, but it's worthwhile to hear because it doesn't sound like much else even though it doesn't sound like itself for the whole fucking time yeah that's a good point that's, yeah. a, good way, that's a really good way to put it yeah I grew up with Primus they've always just been one of those bands that I've always listened to um, I've seen the band twice at Big Day Out and Soundwave and both times were very entertaining yeah you need to be in a really specific mindset to be you know into them and wanting to listen to them otherwise it is just like holy fuck this is too much their most recent album they re-recorded the entire Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory soundtrack, Primus style, in their little weird, weird kind of way. And I was just like, oh, this is uh, this is going to get old super quick. Yeah, we get it. You're like creepy and weird. And I don't know if you know this, but Willy Wonka is also a little bit creepy and weird. Chocolate's brown. Chocolate <laughs> is very much brown. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I do have some time for this song. Like, uh, it's, yeah, it's very simple. It's very fun. It's just... One that sticks out in the in the Primus canon for me. You know when you first discover downloading music? This is one of the first songs my brother downloaded for some reason. I really? Think, yeah, because... Huh. This Out was, of all the songs. Yeah, well, you know, we were into Primus because of uh, Tony Hawk. and then for sure. Yeah, and then just typed in Primus and one of the top songs was this. And then, yeah, it's always just been one of those songs that we, we know really, really specifically well. We've had our Primus phase where when we're very much past it now, but every mm-hmm. once in a while it will come back up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I'm sure we all have that with our with our siblings it's at one point or another. Yeah. When it comes together, it's it, it can be very wholesome. That's the only time that Primus and wholesome have ever been used <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence, but, you know. Mom! 
I finished my pace. Can I have my ice cream now? <laughs> Man, that fourth course oh. was also, it was very thick. Oh, like, wasn't it? Very it was thick. just beef. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just a pile of brown. But like, like beef that you had to like spoon or like through. Like Gr- ground it, beef. Yeah, yeah. It, it was somehow both a stew and then when it was in your mouth, it was just incredibly chewy. Yeah. <laughs> And all beef. <laughs> nothing but beef. Come on, guys. Start, let, let, let's just get that taste out of our mouths. Cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate. Yeah. It's ice cream time, it motherfuckers. Is. It, this is definitely candy. Oh, baby. At number 81, it's Kylie Minogue with Did It Again. Never girl. Think you are, but you think too much. Shut down, Don't look that way anymore. Clever girl Think no But you don't know much Try to make a move Go to a different door You know it's all in your head You better put that business to bed By your fair hands Of the sign you met With the monster Kylie Minogue, at number 81 in the 1997 Hottest 100 uh, from the album Impossible Princess. That was Did It Again. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> this is great. We've discussed like how in the 90s Kylie was doing everything within her power to break away from the uh, the confines of the stock Aitken Waterman mold that had been set for her in her, <laughs> like when she got separated from neighbours after all that time become a, a superstar in her own right. Doing the opposite of what Dave Graney did where he, you know, was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she came on to Neighbours. She yeah, went okay. off Neighbours. Yeah. yeah. Did she ever bully Toadie though? I Fuck. hope so. You I hope everyone so. bullies Toadie. Oh. oh. <laughs> if you knew what the shit he'd been through this year, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Beaverloop. Fuck. <laughs> Now, for me, this is the Alpha and Omega. This is the peak of Kylie Minogue's career, in my humble opinion. Impossible Princess is the essential Kylie record because it is the antithetical Kylie record. Mm. She was co-writing songs. She was exploring pop music's wider spectrum. She wasn't necessarily doing you know, songs that were a guaranteed pop hit. Yep. This is not a guaranteed pop hit, despite what you may think on the outset. Considering this kind of stuff she'd done in the past, like she'd barely touched songs with electric guitar. She'd barely touched this kind of groove and this kind of rhythm Mm. and lyrics that are this biting and Mm. sassy and kind of critical of herself more than anything you know like this is this isn't a sub to it she's adding herself like yeah yeah it's all in your head you gotta put that business to bed you know it's like what the fuck are you doing you've been a fucking cog in the wheel for too long this is this is toxic you need to escape you need to remove yourself from this scenario Mm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the sitar comes in and that's my favorite sentence in the world to say (laughs) it's really beautiful though yeah such a great it works so fucking well amazing but yeah like this is i would 
maybe go out on a limb and say this is my all-time favorite Kylie song. Whoa. I remember seeing it as a kid and being like, wait a minute, that's Kylie Minogue? Where did all this come from? And there were just tiny little bits throughout the whole song, which always blow my mind. I'm not obviously the Kylie expert or fan that you are, so I'm really glad that, because I thought the same thing in terms of like antithetical is the right thing, because it's like this song is everything that Kylie Minogue does well but way better than it should be. Like yeah, her yeah. music, I'm struggling with what I'm trying to convey because it's obviously such a quintessentially Kylie Minogue song that this is, but yeah. it feels but at like- at the time it wasn't. It's such an outlier of like a, a, yeah. a, a song. Like it's so re- like reflective and- Yeah. Like, like they're, I, even, they're even like connecting lines with like songs we've talked about before, like Confide in Me yeah. and Wild mm. Roses. Yes. Well, I mean the same period and also produced by the Brothers in Rhythm, who I think is worth yes. giving a shout out to because like this song immaculately produced and- you you know, confide in me. We talked about it at the time as well. Just immaculately produced uh, there too, and just in terms of the choices that they made, in terms of the instrumentation being a little bit different and unexpected, but still mm. folding that into pop music to make it seem like it was the obvious choice. That mm. is like, of course yeah. you're going to use a sitar there. What else would you use? Like, of course you're going to use all those strings. Apparently, I, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know. As as mentioned, but in previous seasons, I can't hear. Yeah, strings. <laughs> but I hear they're very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told. I've been told strings are a lovely. <laughs> Brand, brand of instrument. There was just this golden period where Triple J was playing Kylie Minogue for a while. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, this is the Triple J Hottest 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah, and, you forget. And this is a, her repeat appearance. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, I think, the third time we've talked about Kylie. And uh, I don't believe she would ever get in again because her next record, I believe, was the Light Years record, which had Spinning Around on it. Yeah. And that was her triumphant return, return to, to pop. pop music. Yeah. But I love this time in her life where she was pretty openly flirtatious with doing something dark and doing something different. It's really worth looking at context here as well in relation sure. to pop music then and now. Because we love it. We, yeah. like, I'm, I know, Nathan, you... Yeah, love this song. Quick check in. Love this song. So, so, okay, universal love for Kylie Minogue in this song and also in Confide in Me, which comes in this same period. But, you know, this indie Kylie, as it has been called, and I believe it was even termed that at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attracted quite a lot of criticism. Some people were saying, like, you know, like, you just don't have the voice. You're just courting the alternative and the music that you're producing is just not any good. Like, people didn't get get on with this. It's like the opposite of selling out. Yeah, which I mean, like as a thing, like I don't, I don't know many more examples. Beyonce, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Beyonce got in the hottest one hundred last but, year. Okay, so it's happening. And that was a big time because Beyonce had never been in the hottest one hundred. But did that. she cop criticism for like courting the alternative? Yeah, quote unquote, like trying to appeal to alternative I, music. I, but to I, a degree, but yeah. this isn't. But this is why I think it's worth looking at this now because like. The dialogue between alternative and mainstream in the '90s at this time was like night and day. It was black and white. They were yeah. they were like they were like kind of camps. As much as we've seen weird pop crossovers into the Triple J Hottest 100 here for whatever reasons, yeah. like I think generally speaking, um, that's an exception that proves the rule. Whereas now, like we're kind of seeing it come around again, where like the alternative is embracing pop once more and poptimism is like yeah, a yeah. huge so thing. You know? at, like, yeah, some some people that were in the hottest 100 last year include Rihanna yeah. and Guy Sebastian. Yep. People that 10 years ago would have never gotten the hottest 100. Not I in think, a million years. I think the point is that we're, history is proving Kylie Minogue in this particular time right yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, this record uh, came out 10 years after Locomotion. Yeah. Mm. So, you yeah. know, from locomotion to this, you know, yeah. it's a it's a pretty fascinating trajectory. And yeah, it's like probably my favorite period of of Kylie Minogue just because she was that bold and experimental and, you know, was on record as saying getting in the hottest 100 felt like the most validating thing. Well, because yeah. You know. Yeah. 
Definitely. Of course it would. Yeah, yeah because would, she felt yeah. like she felt like her own artist, you know, like mm. the, this stuff that she'd co-written and obviously invested a lot into, you know, might have been like only a gold, you know, selling record as opposed to like a three times platinum selling record, you know. <laughs> that's that's shitty standards but by Carly yeah. Minogue, you know. And that's also why I think, you know, context now has made it so different in that record sales and pressure to sell is just it's it's a different market. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, those the, the pressure from labels to be mainstream success is just it's a, it's a different thing now mm. in terms of like the way people consume music and the way that opens up differences between uh, mainstream and alternative in terms of taste. Let's not forget, uh, way back, the first ever annual Hottest 100 had a boy band in it, E17. Yeah. True. You know? Yep. That's you right. know, we've got Kylie Minogue here. Like in a in a few years, like there'll be other acts that will you know have that crossover appeal. Yeah, there's all, there's always been pop crossover in the Hot 100, and it's yeah. always been the exception, not the rule. But it is always still remarkable when it does happen. Exactly, mm. and I and I think, but now what we're seeing is is it being represented more largely. Yeah, it's, and, it's and not and, necessarily just and, here. and that to me, and optimism in general is frustrating to me. Like, yeah, there's obviously some brilliant, excellent pop music, but like. They don't need the boost. They're already like a multi-millionaire who never has to be concerned with anything in their life ever again. And they will make, they will sell millions of albums of whatever they do. And they have complete artistic freedom and control to release whatever they want. And it will be adored and loved. And that will get them more fashion deals and more yeah. perfume deals mm. and more makeup deals. And they're never going to be concerned with any moment-to-moment life struggle again. So that's why optimism like, is like, yes, it deserves to be discussed as a cultural artifact, which I think is the, the core tenant, I would say, of why populism mm. is worthwhile, is because yep. pop music is deserving to be discussed as cultural artifacts in the same way that like people have overanalyzed Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And that's that's <laughs> worthwhile doing. It's just like I, I have a knee-jerk reaction away from being like, no, no, you have to give the people a voice. Like They don't need the fucking voice. What if instead... The movement of optimism was just trying to take away any kind of morality in in terms of your listening. I think I think that's what it's good for, really. Like, yeah, it, it, at, its heart, yeah. at its heart, it's just kind of like you are not better or worse for any of choices course. that you make yeah, yeah, in yeah, your yeah, consumption yeah. of anything. Um, you know what I mean? Because so often it was a moral thing. It's just like no, you yeah, don't understand. P- 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 people say they listen yeah. to like Katy Perry is a guilty pleasure. Fuck off. Pleasure. No, is it's pleasure. Just p- pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's right. obviously the, the only guilty pleasure you should ever have about consuming art is if the person is a bad person. That, well, I mean, that's a guilty pleasure. If you're yeah. if you're choosing three minutes to listen to a song as opposed to you know like looking up charities that you can volunteer your time for. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, it's time to pick our favourites and our least favourites. I'm starting with you, Adam. Great. That means I don't have to wait. Um, my favourite for this episode was The Impossible Princess, Kylie Minogue. Yes. Because it just takes way more energy to like not enjoy that song than it does to enjoy that song. <laughs> yes. Just go with it. It's awesome. My least favourite for the... Why did I leave this blank? I need to make a decision. Mm. My least favourite is... Oh, no, I know. It's... it's <laughs> I, I do know. It's Dave Graney, obviously. <laughs> Bullying Toadie is all very well and good. But. Yes. <laughs> and, and but where ca- does it end? So, and, and Champ and Chump. Do yes. they retain? Or uh, they are well. Beaver Loop is definitely still the blurst, um, and I'm going to still hang on to Daft Punk for the moment. I feel like now it's gotten to the point where I've, I've, I've amassed so much value in it that it needs to be something quite special mm. to trade it off, or <laughs> or I'm just going to be like, oh god, I've just, I'm just I've listened to the Defunk way too many times. It's time for something new. <laughs> Whatever, and bitch, it, and I'll trade it off for something that's not worthy at all. But. Stay tuned. <laughs> there is a new queen in town, and her name is Kylie Minogue. It is my favorite and my new champion of the hottest 100. Well done. Uh, least favorite, probably go with Brainbug. 
yeah. And carryover chump? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, it's it's still the loop. <laughs> yeah, my carryover chump is definitely still the loop. But my least favorite this week was uh, David Granular. <laughs> uh, um, my favorite this week. <laughs> My favourite this week was Lard, but my carryover champ is still the Dandy Warhols. Fair call. Very good. Yeah, my least favourite is Primus, uh, but my chump is still Beaver Loop. And my favourite was Kylie Minogue, but mm. my champ is still Dandy Warhols. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out on your computer. <laughs> on your personal computing machine. On your machine. personal computer. <laughs> at Hottest 100s, Hottest 100s and Thousands at gmail.com, facebook.com slash Hottest 100s and Thousands. We're out there. Come contact us. Get in Get in touch. Yeah, we are, we are the podcast that reads everything. Yeah, so, you, you, yeah you, absolutely. You, you want someone to look at your script? Probably won't give any tips, but maybe we will. Just oh, my God. If way. you actually did send us a script somehow, you know, with the read everything thing, we'd have to do it. Yeah. Um, mm. Boy, I just opened up a can of worms yeah. there. Didn't I? You, got, you, yeah, got, you, you got any mediocre poetry you want to be RT'd? Just tear it at oh, us. I would I would love to do some like Twitter real, sized poetry. Some yeah, real maybe. Benedict Cumberbatch voice work on some mediocre poetry. If you wanna <laughs> if you wanna have your work dissected and, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And be bullied by four white guys. <laughs> we are bullies. We are like grain to the toad. It's so true. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Adam Puncher. See ya. And Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. Everything is grain for you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>